Welcome to Bear Weather Fans Podcast, the most Bears podcast. Join your hosts, Patrick, Coach Bob, and Ed O'Bradabot to Bear Weather Fans! Welcome to Bear Weather Fans. Uh, Coach Bob, how are we doing? Oh, fantastic! Uh, it's it's a it's a good day to be a Bears fan. Remember how depressed we were last week? <laughs> Just I, one week ago. I, I, I am I am a uh, a goldfish from Ted Lasso. Yeah. My short term memory. <laughs> I'm like I'm all in on this week. I feel so much better. It's insane how like playing the Browns. I've almost completely forgotten about, and now I feel really good about the Bears again. So. Yeah, I think this is how we should start the uh, Bears post game post game con uh, yeah kind of like episode uh, podcast is me complaining about Ted Lasso joke, which is already a great show. But the joke should have been he's like, hey, like, would I tell you you have to be a goldfish? And the answer should have been no. I told you to forget everything. Like you're not supposed to remember. You know, it, it, they missed an opportunity there. But, they really uh, did. <laughs> no, but yeah, great show. Welcome to Bear with the Fans. We have a post-game episode. Uh, if you're not familiar with the podcast, we um, are your favorite Bears podcast, so just strap in and get ready. Uh, we are here to talk about the Week 4 win over the Lions just a week ago after we were sure when Matt Nagy was going to get fired, that we were going to have to resign from being a Bears fan and burn the whole stadium down. Uh, we'll have to talk about stadium later, but yeah, man. It was cool <laughs> I was going to say, there's plans for that. <laughs> Ooh. Too soon. But yeah, that, that Bears-Lions win was awesome. Uh, what'd you think? Um, yeah, I thought it was uh, a very convincing win. Um, I mean, we've talked about this on the show before, but uh, the Bears did a nice job of capitalizing on early drives, looking organized, and um, just kind of marching down the field and scoring touchdowns. It was one of those that the... Well, the combination of the Bears' drives with the Lions' drives taking so long, there weren't that many drives in the first half. Like, I want to say the Bears had three legitimate drives and then, like, the, you know, very short, last-second attempt at a fourth drive in the half. But, like, really three legitimate drives for the entire first half. But that's because the Bears are marching down the field and scoring touchdowns, and the Lions are marching down the field and then handing us the ball. So, um, obviously very fortunate that our defense locked up in the red zone, but, um, yeah, once that happened and then, you know, we, we took that like pretty commanding lead and the defense was able to just do its thing. It kind of felt like offense is cooking, defense is cooking. They might get some garbage points late with, which they did. But, um, yeah, I would say like, what was the final twenty four fourteen? Yes, sir. And even though the Lions had chances, it's so weird. It felt even more lopsided than twenty four fourteen to me. <laughs> like yeah. I don't normally feel comfortable in it with a lead with the Bears, just because I'm nervous. But it, yeah, it felt like a pretty comfortable win and a pretty lopsided win. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And actually, you and I tied from our score predictions last week. Uh, Coach Bob predicted 24-17. I predicted 21-14. 
So we're each off by three points in the opposite direction. So yeah, feels good, man. Feels good. That's, oh my gosh, we're on fire. We're, we're crushing it, man. Yeah. Those are really good predictions. Go <laughs> us. Yeah, and you even had a caveat about like, well, you know, there's garbage time to consider with the opposing offense. Um, but yeah, even considered like, yeah, the it never felt like a close game up until the very end. Um, and even then, the only reason it felt close is because of a blown coverage. But yeah, it was a pretty dominant win. Yeah, totally. Also, um, just because that would have been the first game I called spot on, and it would have been uh, super awesome. It's hilarious because I I even forgot what my prediction was. I was going to go back and look because I was like, I feel like I was really close. Um, the Lions, being the most Lions of Lions, decided to not take a field goal with three minutes plus left on yes. like the 15 yard line <laughs> when they went for that i was like yes they yes. just lost themselves the game and yep. then they don't convert and it's game over you have fourth and not short mm-hmm. and you are in easy guaranteed field goal range not guaranteed but 98 percent whatever field field goal range you take the points and make it a one-score game, and that would have been the exact score I predicted. And they don't take the field goal. They opt to try to go for the touchdown. Right. Like, what an idiotic decision. <laughs> yeah. I was talking to somebody about that, and they were like, no, no, but you want to keep it, like, you know, less scores. I'm like, yeah. The field goal makes it a one-score game. Like, they went for it on fourth and five. And even if they succeeded and then eventually scored a touchdown, they still need a score. Like this, what this, I, like oh my gosh, I I couldn't believe the decision. I don't know. I'm not a head coach in the NFL, but I was baffled. <laughs> yeah, I yeah, I guess I agree with you. At the time, I was like, well, you know, like the Bears' offense is like rolling. Like, um, you you need a score point. But yeah, looking back, especially how the Bears offense, it kind of slowed down quite a bit. It's like, yeah, you could have made a one score game. And especially the Bears defense was not, was playing damn well in like uh, short yarded situations and in red zone defense. Like that is, you're playing right into their hands there. So yeah, that was crazy to me. Um, yeah, as a kind of a point of reference here, the first quarter, the Bears had, looks like six drives. No, I'm sorry, five drives and scored on four of them. So it's like they only had one punt the first quarter. It was just field goal, touchdown, touchdown, punt, touchdown. It's like Was uh, that the first six drives of the game? Because there's no way that was the first quarter. Because um, it wasn't that many points. And it, it was... Uh, Oh, yeah, I'm sorry. I'm looking at first half, not first quarter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And by I, I mean ESPN. Way to go, ESPN. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, let's see here. Well, regardless, it was awesome. Yeah, they were, they were yeah. scoring a lot. <laughs> yes, they were rolling. Um, yeah, I, I, I thought it was 14 at the half. But, yeah, like two touchdowns in the first few drives and um, kind of kept things rolling in the second half. Uh but no, I mean, they they certainly the, the the amount of times they stopped the Lions in the red zone three times in goal to go situations and another time on that field goal at the end of the game. Um, the fact that they could hold them to zero points on those four trips was insane. I think yes. the Lions had what was it like 
five or so trips altogether to the red zone. But yeah, um, yeah. I mean, the Bears when they don't have to worry about the play over the top are really, really, really good. <laughs> Bears when they have to worry about a broken coverage seem to be mediocre. Like that's definitely the kryptonite of the Bears defense right now. Is are you going to get somebody to just slip past a safety? And have them all look at each other and be like, what? (laughs) So, yeah, I guess the four kind of quadrants we can talk about is the defensive play, the defensive coaching, the offensive play, and offensive coaching. But starting with the defensive play, I guess they're interlinked because Desai is doing so much to set up the uh, players on defense to succeed. What a novel concept about a coach setting up his players to succeed. Anyway, uh, yeah, I thought um, for the most part, defense played well and executed well on an individual level. There's obviously the return of Eddie Goldman was huge and uh, Roquan played great. There was uh, a few couple of question marks in the defense with, um, you know, Duke Shelley, but I thought he played fine. Um, this had that one busted coverage uh, from uh, was it DHC. Um, but yeah, I thought from the, se- and I know it's the lines, but from the secondary to the front seven, like I thought everybody played uh, like well, like executed well. Absolutely. I thought the, yeah, that apart from the one over the top breakdown, Mm -hmm. long coverage, apart from that, which also kudos to Jared Goff and them for reading that so spot on. Yes. Like it, it was a broken coverage, but like basically he saw it and called it like on the spot um, and got that ball out kind of quick for being a deep ball. Yeah. Um, That was all pretty impressive. I thought the play calling on defense was good. I thought that the Bears also are continuing to make defensive mistakes that they made in some of the losses this year, and they got away with them because they were playing the Lions. Um, But they need to stop the untimely penalties, like third and long going to fourth down. And like I'd say some of them were, as a Bears fan, very questionable calls, like the the, – Khalil Mack roughing the passer. Oh my gosh. Like the amount that that like grazed his helmet. Like Jared Goff wasn't even looking for a flag on that because he didn't even feel (laughs) that the guy's arm hit his head. And then he got the flag and Khalil Mack's like, what? Like where? (laughs) Serious? Yeah. Yeah. Um, And so like, it, it was not like he followed through, through his head. It was like, he went to block the pass and missed and like grazed the front of the front top part of it, like the crown of his helmet. It was like in no way a face mask or any of that stuff. It just made contact with the helmet. And if the rule is, I don't even know the rule. If it's making contact with the helmet, then it was a flag, but it was like among the softest flags. Um, And that extent the play. And then they, I think that was a drive that went all the way down and stalled, but I don't remember. Um, But either way, like extending drives like that is going to be pretty critically bad competitive teams that are going to make you pay for those things. Yeah. Yes, sir. It's a game of inches. And so when you're giving up uh, yards at a time, even drives at a time, it uh, is brutal. It's terrible. Um, yeah. So there's a couple points there. One being, Hey, if, uh, if you squint, doesn't Jared Goff kind of look like the Cincinnati QB Joe Burrow? Like, isn't that kind of funny that, uh, yeah, the, the referees are so determined to protect, uh, anyway. Yeah. It's, it's a funny Absolutely. Thing. Are these are these the like NFL 
uh, elite quarterbacks we're talking about, Jared Goff <laughs> and Joe Burrow. Like, I mean, Jesus. Right. Like, you would think they were both Tom Brady with the way they've been getting calls. Oh yeah, like gosh. that Joe Burrow roughing or like late hit out of bounds. That yes. one, I think, was just seriously a bad call. Like, that was not a late hit. It was just a bad call. This one, maybe it's the right call because, I, like I said, I don't know the rule. Like, if it's supposed to be, like, following through or if it's any contact with the helmet. But, like, man, it was really soft. Um, and that wasn't the only time. I don't remember the other ones. But there was a few that were just pretty soft, untimely penalties. Uh, I was glad to see that the defense has figured out the whole taunting penalty. Now it's you rah-rah with your team, not over the other guy, and then it's all yeah. good. So that was, a, that was a good learning move for the yeah. defense. Um, but, yeah, no, I, overall defense, very, very impressive. Um, I wouldn't I, – like I said, my only critique, even though the Lions move the ball down the field, would be that one blown coverage. Yes, sir. Yeah, a couple of points there. <laughs> one thing, yeah, as far as incredibly stupid penalties, the special teams penalty was – just oh, like yeah. terrible, Huge. like the gunner, like that was so well timed. It reminded me of uh, Cordero Patterson last year. Oh, he had that awesome. Was it two years ago? He had that awesome uh, timed hit where, like the the referee's not doing it based on any uh, rules or metric. He's just doing it because he saw a big hit and it feels like it should be a penalty. Like yeah, I don't know. So yeah, yep, that was absolutely one that I forgot. Actually, there was two penalties. Well, the the one where it was a legal hit. After the guy made the catch, right, and he goes, and the announcers try to defend the call and go, "You got to give him a little bit of room." No, you don't. <laughs> no, you absolutely do not. He makes the catch, and it's a live ball. The guy right. caught the ball and then got tackled. Right, that is absolutely legal. You don't have to wait for him to make a move first. Right, and then the other one where the gunner went, uh, Wait, that might not be. Hold on, I watched a lot of football the other day. <laughs> I don't think that was a Bears game. Never mind. <laughs> no, you couldn't. <laughs> um, yeah, that was crazy. The other thing that I was going to talk about was, yeah, the whole. We've had this conversation before, but Vic Fangio, his defense being so good, and some of the reasons for that. One being a scheme, but another being you've talked before about how like a a level of genius is being able to communicate and make things simple to everybody that you're working with. And uh, that is something that has been echoed along around the league. Like Andy Reid, I was reading an interview of his staff from a few years ago. And they're talking about like, oh, what makes him special is that he can make everything simple. We can all understand what he's talking about. And uh, we had the interview that we talked about a couple of episodes ago about how people were like, yeah, you know, Sean Desai, he's like a genius. You have to like, you, some of these things you're like, I don't understand where you came up with that. Um, which is kind of a compliment, but it's also, you, you talked about like, oh, that's a little red flag for me. Um, so we're kind of seeing a little bit of both of that where the genius is obviously there. Like this defense is doing stuff that is confusing the hell out of the opposing offenses. And like Khalil Mack owes like a third of his contract to Sean Desai this year because he is having like on pace for a career year. And almost every sack he has is a result of Sean deciding, scheme. yeah, some kind of scheme. And it's awesome. I mean, it's it's fantastic. I would, between that and the resurgence of Robert Quinn, like, it's so fun to watch. Um, but then we're also seeing the downside, where it's like we're seeing blown coverages and uh, some, you know, weird penalties. And uh, that was another thing. I was looking at the stats earlier of um, the Denver Broncos under Vic Fangio. And their defense has gone down in penalty yards. 
every year since he got there. They were in like the top 10 um, in 2018, and then they went to about, looks here, like about halfway down in 2019 and down lower. So it's like, and as far as why that is, it's he's said before, like, I really focus on the details and I want the fundamentals to be, you know, solid and understood. And like, that's, you know, he's working on the scheme, but the players are focusing on executing well. And that comes down to the details of avoiding penalties and playing solid football, you know? So that's the thing that I think we'll, we will need to see Sean Desai learn. And I'm sure he's developing as a coordinator as, you know, as well as everyone develops in any position, you know? Absolutely. I think you hit the nail on the head. Um, with that one, I think that some of the, like, just the defensive calls of, like, run blitz, pass blitz, when to drop out into coverage, how to disguise coverage, all that stuff is showing its head to really confuse opponents. Even good teams we've kept in check, um, but the plays over the top and those blown coverages are just, like, inexcusable. And one thing that I think is interesting, and maybe you've seen it a little differently than I have, I feel like most, and I don't know if it's just because it's more obvious, but I feel like most of those breakdowns have come in the secondary, where it's yes, like, sir. where it's like, for whatever reason, the front seven seem to be getting it, and the back four break down. Um, mm-hmm. Not always, but it, it just seems like the those lapses are happening on the back end. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's interesting. So there have been a lot of Urlacher interviews in the past talking about how big of a deal Mike Brown was in the defense. And he's like, I'm the captain of the defense, but Mike Brown is like the real coach out there. Cause his, and for those of you who maybe don't remember, Mike Brown was like a super great safety in like the 2000s era Bears. He had a bunch of injuries that ended up derailing his career, but he was uh, considered like Hall of Fame caliber safety uh, if he'd been able to stay healthy. And he was Part of the reason the Bears went to the Super Bowl, though he ended up being injured before they could play. Anyway, but yeah, so Erlanker has lauded over and over like that. He was having like a, he's like having a second coach out there. And I wonder how much that is, like how important that is to a safety where, you know, Roquan is obviously a very talented, very uh, knowledgeable and aware player in the uh, in the front seven, in that linebacker unit compared to the secondary. It's like, I, I don't know how, how studious Eddie Jackson is and DeAndre Houston Carson, you know? Yeah, I, I don't know, and and I I don't mean to place it all on them because the other thing is like, if the line screws up, a run play pops, you know, for ten yards, or if yeah. like a linebacker blows a coverage, it's on a ten yard slant, <laughs> um, and so like it goes unnoticed. Yeah. Like when the safeties blow it, it's a touchdown, and it's yes. happened like three times now. <laughs> it's so, so like, obvious, yeah, yeah. So it's like, oh, mm, yeah, that's their points. Um, but at the same time, like, if you're the safety and, like, the only thing that's beating our defense is, like, the blow the lid off over the top, like, we got to figure it out. Mm-hmm. Um, now, I'll say, like, with everything else working as well as it is, I am sure Sean Desai and all of them are well aware of all that and they are working on it. So, um, <laughs> yeah. you know, he's he's new and, like, Houston Carson's pretty new like this is i i have faith that they'll get better mm-hmm. yeah it's like in some ways being a secondary defender is like the worst possible job because like you you're only getting the ball after you if something bad's happening. you know it's like they're throwing bombs and uh it's harder more than ever now because of the penalties and it's just like 
don't know. It's it just the only notable plays are bad. <laughs> and like if you do your job and it's like you know pass deflected or you are able to body him off the route, it, I don't know. There's not much flash there. Totally. But yeah. Well, you know, obviously you've heard from your your two favorite hosts, uh, myself Patrick and Coach Bob. But we have another host that you know fans love him. Um, he's the uh, Android replicant of Edo Bradovich. <laughs> Edo Bradovich. <laughs> Um, four out of five callers uh, cannot tell the difference, but we're having him booted up right now, so he'll have some uh, good insight for us later on today. But uh, we talked a little bit about the defense, talked about the special teams. Let's talk about the offense, starting with Dave Montgomery. Uh, <laughs> no, let's wow, talk about... bring us down. <laughs> <laughs> no, let's talk about Justin Fields. Uh, Sounds great. What would you think? I, I thought Justin Fields was absolutely fantastic. Yes, um, I <laughs> I can't believe like I I must have the like rosiest rose colored glasses on right now because watching him play I was so stinking impressed. Like everything he did was good. Um, he was making good reads. He was making great throws. He was stretching the field, tossing bombs that were just like in the bread basket. Um, one of his worst throws was his third throw of the day, which Mooney caught anyway, because he said, <laughs> too bad, Justin Fields. I'm not letting this be incomplete. That catch was <laughs> filthy, by the way. Yes. Um, that was a Samwise Gamgee, like, I can carry you type thing. Yes. Yes. That was, I'm going to make this okay for you today. And then. Justin rewarded him for that catch with a bomb on like the next throw. Um, Man, what a 180s arm interrupting you. One at 180 from last week where it was like the worst supporting cast game like we've seen in Bears history where the coaching sucked and like the line sucked to be like, no, you know what? We're going to have an offense that bails out the QB, even when the QB's playing pretty good. Like what a concept. It was, it was insane. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he played well. The line played well. They gave him time. Um, One one time when like somebody came free off the right side and he just like gave him the filthiest spin move. Like, like he, he just said, I'm so much better than you. And I know it. <laughs> and he just spun off of him. And then, uh, I don't even think it was complete. It wasn't, um, it was a throw to Cole Komet who couldn't like catch his own feet, but, um, <laughs> it, it would have been complete to like, uh, high caliber tight end because he like <laughs> threw him open because yeah. he couldn't get open. And then when he just had to turn his body, he fell. But like, um, they, they were throwing, they were whining for pass interference on that. I didn't see it on the replay, but the replay didn't show much of the, uh, contact or anything. But, uh, yeah, I mean, he just does special stuff. And it was one of those, I, I feel like we've talked about this. Like every time I watched a throw, it felt like it was a good throw even when it was incomplete, like it was like, Oh, that was pretty much right where it had to be. Or like that throw was there because coverage was tight. And there's the only place to put the ball. Like I haven't, I still feel like I'm yet to see the play where like somebody's coming across the middle and he throws it high and whether it gets right. picked or not, like the, you can't miss that throw high. Like mm-hmm. I've like, I haven't seen him do it. And then he can just bomb it all over the place. Like the amount of time the ball's in the air and he can just like, lofted up there he he throws touch on it um i mean 
his completion percentage was only fine, but the fact that he had like 17 attempts and over 200 yards getting like over 10 yards per attempt is insane. Um, and that account that accounts for the, uh, the incompletions obviously, cause that just means his yards per completion was absolutely insane. Um, but like no touchdowns in one interception, you could look at that and go, mm. but that's cause when they got in the red zone three times, they ran for touchdowns. <laughs> right. And okay. I mean, that's like, um, seeing like the Ravens offense where they have such a talented QB as an athlete that they're like, we have dynamic running game now. Like, so we don't need to throw and have, um, like an interception in a Super Bowl to go line situation, for example. I don't know why it came to my mind. No, but, um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like, yeah, it's actually, uh, it's easier and safer to run the ball, especially when you have multiple running threats in the backfield they have to account for going in opposite direction. If you can. Yeah, and David Montgomery, while he was walking, was unstoppable again. He was yes. so good. He was, he really was good. like, yeah, like five yards of carry, and it felt like when he got to the goal line, nobody could stop him. His second touchdown, I believe, where he carried, it looked like three to four defenders from the four-yard line <laughs> in without any help, was like, okay, yep, why would you do anything other than do that? Right. He's like, man, he's special. Like, he is so... He's so fun to watch. He's like explosive. He's faster than ever. And just, uh, the way he runs is like, it's like madness. It's like, uh, it's like he doesn't know that he's immortal and he's just, I don't know. It's crazy, man. It's so fun to watch. Um, it is a huge bummer that he got injured, but, um, I don't know. I have faith in him. He, he's awesome. Me too. And, uh, the news I saw was hopeful. I don't know if you saw, he tweeted out. Did you see that? Oh no. Oh no. So, um, I didn't watch the injury itself because I don't love watching that stuff. Basically, I heard he just hyper extended his knee pretty bad. Mm-hmm. And the, the concern was, did he just blow up his knee? Um, but I think he tweeted out, I can get it exactly, but he basically said, he is a merciful God, huh. like all caps, like pumped. Oh, that's cool, man. Looking at like, you are an awesome god, all caps, three exclamation marks. All right, I'll call. Is that what it is? You. Yes, sir. Okay, yeah. So like, you know, a little bit uh, ambiguous, but like, it's hard to believe that that's the tweet he'd send out if he had just gotten bad news. Yes, sir. Like, if he blew up his knee and is out for the season, I don't think there's any way he's thrown out a positive tweet. So no. that gave me a whole lot of hope because as much as um, I think Herbert and Williams are fine. I think uh, I think Montgomery is special. And yes, when you combine him with Justin Fields and combine that all with the fact that, like, they haven't even really started to have Justin Fields pull the ball back himself. Like, right now, David Montgomery is getting 100 yards on 20-whatever carries when Justin Fields is handing it off every single time. Like, <laughs> right. like all that means is that once teams start committing to that run and Justin Fields starts keeping it, now the defense has no idea what to do. Right. Now, now you're going to be dealing with what looks like the Baltimore Ravens because he's so stinking fast. He's going to blow the other side of the defense up just because nobody's there and nobody can catch him. And he is not trying to throw shade at uh, Lamar, an MVP in this league. 
um, he is a far superior passer. So like the fact that their run game is going to be as dynamic and threatening as it can be with also the passing game as it can be. I mean, it's exciting. Um, I think the only thing besides David Montgomery's knee injury that might be a couple weeks, I saw some news also Ian Rappaport or whatever his name is, put something out and said that their prediction was two to four weeks. And he's normally like pretty darn reliable. Hmm. He's not just, you know, some guy throwing stuff out. Yeah. Um, but, uh, the only, the only thing that keeps me from getting super duper excited at this point is the news that I saw Matt Nagy digging himself into a deeper and deeper <laughs> hole that if healthy on Wednesday, when they determine Andy Dalton's status, he is the starter. Yes, sir. What? I don't. What? So, yeah, we do need to talk about that. I do want to add on to your point about Dave Montgomery. Um, so I know I plugged this podcast before Chicago Audible, uh, but it's great. It's uh, They're like insanely dedicated and detailed, almost um, – like almost impossibly so they're like going through the depth chart like during summer training camp like week two and it's like okay guys like like take it easy you're making the rest of us look bad but uh they're awesome and uh one of the members uh mason west is also a uh physical therapist um team rehabilitation in barrington illinois um and he was tweeting during the game like hey looks like a hyperextension um you're expecting three to five weeks on that so he was calling it out during the game too so it sounds like everyone's kind of same page. And he pointed out like, yeah, David Montgomery is like the Wolverine. Like he's so fast to recover that he might even be sooner than that. So, which is insane to me, but he, Montgomery doesn't seem to obey the normal human laws of like body safety. He just seems to like run through people with any part that he wants at any given time. But, uh, yeah. I will say though, like, you know, it, looking forward on the schedule, not super concerned if he ends up taking his time on that because I think it's three to four weeks and then the buy might make sense just to wait till after the buy and come back a hundred percent. Kind of also crazy to think about if the Bears can survive that stretch and he comes back after the buy, he's going to be like a fresh running back through half more than half this half the season or whatever how many running how many elite running backs come back fresh halfway through a season right he might just be an absolute animal god that'd be great um okay so there's one more thing i want to talk about and then we can move on to the subject you broached um this is one of the high points of my year is when i get to brag to bob about something that i called because it basically never happens um but this Earlier this season, I said as a hot take that Darnell Mooney is going to have a better season than Allen Robinson. Um, so with that being said, I'm going to give you... You did call that, and <laughs> boy, does it look like it. Yeah, right, and who, it's early. Um, so Allen Robinson right now, let's make sure I have this right, in 2021 has 149 yards. How many yards do you think Darnell Mooney has? Uh, 225. God, you are, you're incredible. 226. (laughs) 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 You know, what's funny is I I did not look that up. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know how you could have. Wow. Well, (laughs) ladies and gentlemen, that's why he's coach Bob. Uh, (laughs) damn dude. Yes. So, um, I will say the caveat, mostly I'm right. La la la. 
The one caveat yeah, is are. that Allen Robinson has a touchdown. Darnell Mooney does not. But um, still, man, it's crazy. Yeah, no, he, I mean, first of all, he looks like the preferred target for Justin Fields. So if that's the case moving forward, it looks like it'll just extend. Um, but yeah, um, he was super impressive. <laughs> yes, sir. Okay, well, it's probably time to move on to the segment you discussed. Let's just make sure, it looks like Ed O'Bradbot is booted up here. Um, Ed, do you, do you have anything you want to add? Or coach, you're really stupid, and you got some stupid offensive coordinators and some stupid quarterback coaches. It's right in front of you, folks. Well, I guess that should transition just nightly. Thank you, Ed. I appreciate that. Oh, Bebot, um, to our next segment called, um, what the hell, Nagy? <laughs> okay, I open the floor to you, Bob. What the hell, Nagy? Oh my gosh. Um, well, you know, I, it's difficult here because this is, this is the part where unlike you getting to boast about how right you were about Darnell Mooney, Matt Nagy is making me eat my words about the fact that he could be a good head coach. Um, <laughs> so, uh, we referenced Ted Lasso earlier. Um, and I'm going to bring it up again because I feel like, I feel like coach Nagy had the ability to be Coach Lasso, if you haven't seen the show, basically a very good coach that knows nothing about the game. And if you watch the show, you realize even though he knows nothing about the game, he's an incredible head coach. Like he does so many things well. Um, he brings everybody along. He gives uh, control to his assistant coaches where they're good and he lets them do their thing. And he just like is a manager of men and like really like creates an excellent culture and locker room and like develops young players, all this stuff. And, you know, it's one of those things where I don't know if it's because I've been watching that or what, but I was like, you know what? Matt Nagy seems to have that vibe to me. Like if he's got all these other pieces in place and we've kind of compared him to other coaches that like don't call plays on either side of the ball, but you know, they are, have their attention to detail and all this stuff. And I will say, you know, to his credit, this is the only time of this segment I'm going to say this. He passed off the play calling to Bill Lazor this week. And uh, boy, did they look like all of a sudden they could play offense and take shots downfield and protect the quarterback and all this other stuff. And um, now at the same time, at the same time, while that's a compliment to the head coach, it really is an insult to his ability to call plays because he looks <laughs> absolutely inept. You've brought up just how much better Bill Lazor was than he was at calling plays last year. And my thought is, what are you doing ever returning to play calling if you're that bad and your offensive coordinator is that much better than you at doing that? Um, and I think ultimately what I've landed on, and I, I hate that this is the case, is it feels like Matt Nagy is just really insecure. And I don't know if that insecurity comes from how much noise there is that he's going to be fired and he's doing everything in his power to not get fired. But what I've kind of come to learn, you know, through life is that if you start just making decisions to not get fired, you are absolutely getting fired. Like, right. cause you're no longer making decisions for the right reasons uh, to do the right things and that just means you're done. Um, 
And so like, what I mean by that is like, there's some insecurity there. He shouldn't have been calling plays at all this year. He should have had Bill Lazor calling plays the entire time. Um, and then that press conference we talked about, what the hell, Nagy? You just got a nice win. And like the first thing I heard was, man, the players deserve, uh, I, I don't know, remember exactly what it said, but it was something like a decent amount of credit for this win. What are you talking about, man? <laughs> You're the coach. Right. Even if it's not true, 100% true, you should say the players deserve all the credit all the for credit. this win. Yep. I don't care if you and the other coaches came up with an incredible game plan to out-scheme an opponent. You give all the credit to the players. Like, I don't, like, I have never coached on that level, but I don't feel like I've ever, when people tell me good job because my team has done well and, like, we've won conference or whatever it is, I go, you know what, I ran none of the events today. Like, the athletes did. The athletes won today. This is their win. What are you doing? Even if, like I said, you did all those great things, you just give that to them because what are you doing? Like, that's where I was getting that insecurity comment is like, are you so insecure that you need people to go, yeah, you're right, coach. You did some great stuff this week. It's the players and the coaches. Like, anyone that knows football knows it's the players and the coaches. You don't say, pat me on the back. And then he went and made it so much worse about 10 minutes later in the interview when they go, hey, so um, you decided to have Bill Lazor call the plays. And instead of the correct answer, which is Bill did a great job calling the plays today. You know, like we work on this stuff all week and he really, really executed what we wanted to do today. He did a great job. He had a great pulse on the game. He really got Justin Fields in a rhythm. Instead of complimenting his assistant coach, he's so insecure that he goes, everything runs through me. We plan this Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. And even though he's playing the calls, I'm the final man that okays everything. I okay every decision he makes so it all comes back down to me. What are you talking about, man? Like, you're the head coach. It always comes back down to you. You know, at the end of the day, Bill Lazor doesn't get a win-loss record as the assistant coach like he like Matt Nagy does the head coach. Like, if Bill Lazor called half the games this season and won all those games, there's not a Bill Lazor's undefeated record. The Bears are 8-8, eight and eight, you know, or whatever it is, mm-hmm. and Matt Nagy's the head coach. He's 8-8. Eight and eight. It's how it goes. Yep. Like, there's – what are you doing? It's just – it was so childish. It was so insecure – and again, like I get the motive, or I think I get the motive. The motive is remind everybody that I'm in charge and we just won, and that means that I shouldn't be fired. If that's <laughs> all that you have to say, you're done, man. You're yep. done. Because that's exactly how you lose your only ability right now. Like his only argued strength could be a glue man that allows Bill Lazor the freedom to just focus on play calling that allows Sean Desai the freedom to just call plays and like sometimes just empower them to do these things or encourage them to take that risk or just say like, it's okay. We're going to do this. This is like, you know what I mean? That sounding board that all this is going to work and then empower the players. Go, go do you. The fact that he needs to start taking that credit. Oh, I was so sad to see. I was very disappointed. I don't know that it was the last straw for me, but it might've been, I was, 
was very, very disappointed. Yeah, it's like it's like embarrassing. <laughs> like, are you, yeah, I can't really add anything that you haven't already covered. Like, it's selfish. It is very short-sighted. It is immature. Like, it's so weird, and especially for a guy who was lauded. Yeah, like you're saying, his like one saving grace is being the glue. Like he was lauded as being a high integrity guy and valuing that in other people, and supposedly bringing that best out of his team. It's so bizarre. It's uh, yeah, it's like honestly embarrassing. Like uh, Trubisky was like it became almost a meme with how uh, formulaic he was with pretty much every post game. So he'd say, "Hey, the coaches called up a good game. The blockers uh, gave me great pockets, and the." Uh, Pass catchers got open, you know, whatever. Like it, he always, always deflected. Like it's all a team, and the whole team did well. It was easy for me. Um, and then when it was bad, it was him. But you know, like it was always uh, that. And I'm like trying to imagine the talent's reaction if, like, you know, if Justin Fields got up there, I'm like, oh yeah, so Dave Montgomery uh, had some good runs. Like yeah, but I'm always the one handing him the ball. Like you know, I'm the one calling checks. It all goes through me. And people be like, what? Like what is yeah. the matter with you? Yeah. Um, you idiot. Yeah. yeah. I, I don't know. Uh, OB Bob. When the last time that happened? I'm sorry. Oh, no. You're good, man. Um, I think OB Bot is uh, short circuiting probably from the rage of, the, of this game, this post game, to be honest. So, no, I'm sorry. <laughs> what were you saying, man? I was just going to say that the last time a player ever said that was never in the history of the NFL because <laughs> it's that crazy. Right. But Matt Nagy's doing it right now. Dear Lord, like if Cam Newton said that, it would follow him around for the rest of his career. <laughs> like, yeah. Um, one thing that that Justin Fields could say about David Montgomery running the football mm-hmm. because I saw it in the game, and it might have been after uh, Montgomery got hurt, but it was still, it was like one of the coolest things to watch. Is he was handing the ball off on stretch plays that would go outside the tackle. And he was following the running back. <laughs> I'm only assuming. In case the ball was fumbled. <laughs> like, he was seriously chasing the play, like sprinting behind the play, and he was like two yards behind the running back. And he did it several times where he would follow the running back wide and like like security blanket that because all Justin Fields does besides fumble the football is get it back. Yes, sir. <laughs> yes. Again, we were like, we were <laughs> yeah. flabbergasted by it the last time that he fumbled and then dove like a frog to catch yes. it. Yes. Like, that was incredible. Knock it out of somebody else's hands and get it back. Yeah. yeah. This one was, he's tackled by a lineman. Yep. Loses the ball and is under a lineman and gets up and goes and gets the ball. <laughs> so if I was tackled by that lineman, I would be making this podcast from a hospital bed right now. I would oh, be, yeah, I'd be dead. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> like, remember, Pat? Yeah, he was fun. It's too bad he was flattened in his six feet under Soldier Field's turf <laughs> right now. Absolutely. Yeah, he shakes it off. That He's crazy, man. Like, it's incredible. Um, another, like, absurdly athletic play he did was when he lined up in Montgomery, was in the Wildcat. He uh, was against the corner in, like, press man coverage and shook the cornerback. Like, dear Lord, you're a quarterback. Like, what? You... Yeah, it was crazy, man. Yeah, with um, with those plays, I will not be surprised if they actually end up running him around. Oh, yeah, like, that'd be great. Like, if that cornerback, like, if they run his side, mm-hmm. do you know what I mean? Like, with the intent of throwing over the cornerback, the, like, if that quarterback, cornerback hesitates for a second, Justin Fields is gone, and you're not catching him because he's faster than everyone else in the secondary. Right. Like, and you know that man can catch the ball. He's oh, a freak yeah. athlete, oh, best yeah. athlete on the field. Like, if somebody can get him that ball, good luck. 
I mean, I think we've joked, when is he going to toss it up and just go catch it himself (laughs) and then take it the rest of the way? Well, like, literally, because that first game against the Browns, like, his 40 is whatever he said, 4-4, 4-4-5, whatever. Um, Yeah. And so, like, he would have gotten more yards just tossing it and running, like, you know, one second. Like, you know, like, like, oh, you're 40 yards? Okay. Like, you know, whatever. He would have, um, yes. Yeah. If he ran like four or five seconds, he would have been able to get more yards by just catching his own pass than they did on offense that day. So, yeah, I'm into this play call. Um, yeah, that was absurd. <laughs> yeah, I agree. I mean, he's catching balls that he's fumbled after being tackled by linemen. So, yeah, he's definitely catching a route. Like, freaking Nick yes. Foles can catch Super Bowl winning plays. Like, yeah, Justin Fields can get it. Yeah. Um, I, I'm saying like Nick Foles found a way to get open. Justin Fields can actually get <laughs> right. Yeah, Ob body, you booted up. What do you think? Keep Nagy away from play calling. <laughs> All right, fair enough. Keep it simple. What do you? Uh, that is that is simple and straightforward, straightforward and true. What do you? I don't know. What do you think of them? And they're the worst than everything. Are you kidding me? <laughs> sure. <laughs> fair enough. Um, yeah, I feel like there's so much more to talk about with Nagy. It's so flummoxing. There's the, first of all, there, he follows Andy Reid so well. Uh, so like closely, he idolizes Andy Reid and I think specifically the offensive genius aspect and he wants to be that so badly. Um, and he's not really, maybe he will be someday, but Andy Reid has been a coach for over 20 years. Um, and Andy Reid gave up play calling to Matt Nagy, which is why he has a job right now. And he did that because the um, Eagle, I'm sorry, the uh, Kansas City Chiefs had a six-game uh, streak of poor scoring. Not a six-game losing streak. I think it was just six games of um, scoring, like, average of 20 points or something. Uh, I'm looking at this article from 2017 right now. But, uh, right. yeah, does that sound familiar to you, Bob, of a six-game streak of poor offensive performance? Can you think of a time in Matt Nagy's career where that was uh, applicable? I think you can pretty much choose a six-game stretch. <laughs> Has Matt Nagy called the plays for a six-game stretch that averaged over 20 points? Oh, my God. I wonder. That's brutal. Um, probably. Because, I mean, yeah, I mean, there were a couple games where they scored points, so maybe maybe it pulled the average up for a six-game stretch. But, <laughs> boy, I do not think this, the offense has been very legitimate under under his play call. No. Um yeah, but yeah, and uh, Andy Reid, even after 20 years, was like, no, I'm going to do whatever it takes for the offense to do well, and that was a very high-powered offense, and uh, that was a year where Alex Smith was playing some of the best ball of his career, and so Nagy, yeah, again, Nagy has a job because after a six-game streak of poor offensive play, Andy Reid gave up the play calling to him, and uh, they did well, and you know, that part of why Andy Reid has a famous coaching tree is because he lauds everyone around him. He's always talking up every coach under him, every coordinator. Um, and Nagy is doing the opposite. He's like throwing a stink bomb in the coaching room and be like, nobody work for me because I will not give you credit. And I will like pedantically force you into a worse role for your job. Like, yeah, I, I don't, I don't understand. And like, to your credit, that, that, situation in 2017 or whatever it was with Matt Nagy calling plays. Yeah. I, I actually don't think Matt Nagy is inept at play calling. Mm-hmm. I think he is not capable at calling plays and head coaching at this point in his coaching career. That's not a huge knock. 
like if all he had to focus on was calling plays, okay. Mm-hmm. Being a head coach is not just calling offensive plays. It's not just calling defensive plays. It's not just play calling at all. There's so much more to the scope of the job, which is why it's like just commend your coaches when they do a good job and do your job. And if everyone does their job, you're going to end up winning more games. And that's how you keep your job at the end of the day. And like Andy Reid is clearly not insecure, but that's because he's had so much success. But that like it, it also feeds into why he would just go, oh, I think this is the move. Like you go ahead and take this. I, I'm where I'm, I'm too thin right now. I need to refocus on what I need to do. And you can focus just on this and then you'll do a good job with that. Yeah, I, I, I fully, uh, yeah, I think there's a ton of merit to that claim you just made. And I hope that he, um, you know, backs off of his stance after, you know, getting away from some of this criticism, but yeah, yeah. see, kind of depends on if we win this week. Me too. Yeah. Um, so a couple of your points, just like the overall situational, situational awareness as a head coach, you're like running this entire very complicated organization, not just play calling. Um, so, you know, let's play. Let's play a little bit of a game right here. Uh, Bear with a fans band. Would you mind uh, giving me a hit here? Thank you so much, guys. All right, stand down. Stand down. Um, so, and Kevin Fishbane has a great article from The Athletic uh, talking about in 2020, they had 12 offensive timeouts that Matt Nagy called and then had a ensuing play call ready after the timeout. So of those 12 timeouts, how many of them resulted in a successful play after the timeout? Just being like a first down, you know? Yeah, five. Uh, out of 12 possible? Like that's too high. Two. Two out of 12 <laughs> were successful. Um, and one, that's so embarrassing. <laughs> right? 2020 week one in Detroit, there was... Uh, Nine minutes left in the first quarter. They were uh, facing a fourth and seven. Um, it was a second drive, and they called a timeout. And then this weird, incomplete pass from Trubisky to Ted Ginn Jr. Um, it was just like this weird dagger concept that nobody was on the same page about. Um, and he Nagy claimed like, "Oh, the, the pass was tipped. It wasn't me. It was it was you know the, the circumstance. I'm good, <laughs> you know." And uh, Kevin Fishbane points out, like, no, the pass was not tipped. It was just a very poorly schemed play. Um, I think we all remember the uh, weird New Orleans State's uh, short yardage situation where they had, like, a, a weird rub route with Allen Robinson after timeout that uh, went nowhere. And yeah, anyway, stuff like that. Yeah, so just general awareness and um, a better understanding of what's happening is, like, such an added bonus of having a offensive coach who's not calling plays like you pointed out was it last week or two weeks ago um how crazy his uh timeouts and challenges were in certain situations where it's like man it's like one of the worst uh clock management moves i've ever seen i felt like this game was the best clock management game i've seen from Nagy in a minute and i know it wasn't that imperative because they were kicking the lion's ass the whole game but uh it just seems like more awareness overall sure and it's because you can actually step back and look instead of sure having your face in the play card and trying to get the plays in quick and all that stuff. Like I said, there's a lot going on. Let, let the other people do their jobs and then you do your job and that's how you win football games. Yes, sir. So yeah, we talked a lot of crap about Matt Nagy in the post game being so weird about admitting Bill Lazor, you know, was the play caller. 
Um, but hey, it's it's been a minute since then. So let's hear um, Matt Nagy's uh, interview on Monday about um, you know follow up questions like, okay, he's had some time to simmer down now. I'm sure he's changed his mind a little bit. Let's hear an interview from Monday. I mean, just to clarify, can you say who called the plays and if there was a change, what impact it had on the game? Yeah. So in regards to the play calling, uh, Bill did a great job. You know, and and I think that uh, you know at the same point in time, it's important that we understand that. Uh, I had to. Be, I, I felt good out there as a head coach. And that's real, you know. Um, but we all get together. We talk through um, how we're gonna call the game, and we do that when when I'm when I'm calling plays too. You know, what I mean, us as a staff, we get together, and and um, so I think that that's important for everybody to know. You know, is that when we build a game plan together, whether it's the offensive line coach with Juan, or whether it's our tight ends coach or wide receiver coach, et cetera, we do it together. And, and in the end, um, you know, I get a, a great opportunity to say, yes, I like this or no, I don't as the head coach, right. In charge of all that, that that's real. <laughs> so um, when you do that now, I also go back to saying last week, right. Or this, this last week was, Hey, whatever I need to do to try to be the best head coach for the Chicago bears, whatever that is, I, I don't care. I just want us to have the best opportunity to win. And I feel like Bill did a great job today. Our players did a great job. Our coaching staff did a great job. And we played collectively together as a team, not just players, not just coaches, everybody. And so, man, I might be confusing my interviews here a little bit, but still, you can just feel like the, he just can't let somebody have credit. Like, he can't just say, so yeah. and so did well. Like, yeah, but I'm the head coach. And, uh, you know, it's important. Yeah, I, I, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I'll say even there, that was a step in the right direction. Yeah. That was not as bad as his initial thoughts. Because I feel like he might have been told, like, hey, that was very childish. <laughs> like, I feel like the only reason he even mentioned um, himself in that one was to try to explain why he was such a child in the first interview. Yeah. Um. Because in that one, at least he highlighted twice how well Bill did and mentioned that everybody comes up with the plan together, which, again, I think doesn't need to be said. <laughs> right. um, I think that's the most obvious thing of all time. Like, we already know you're the hey, head coach, man. You're making millions. You're in charge of an NFL. For, like, just let it be. Yes. Right. Uh Matt Nagy, we are well aware that you yeah. are involved with talking to your other coaches and coming up with a scheme. Yeah. Give the guy credit for calling good plays. <laughs> um, and, like, it's funny that you played that because I didn't hear that, that interview. It is funny how he mentioned uh, how he felt so much more comfortable as a head coach there because he got to just head coach and he didn't have to head coach and play call. How about that? And then, oh, look at that. Those duties all went smoothly. Yeah. And... Yeah, like, nobody's sitting over here saying that, like, the scheme isn't fine if the play calls are coming in on time and with the right cadence and get everything in flow. Like, it, it, it yeah, I don't know. I, yeah, I yeah. just think it's so funny because it's, he, he's making it seem like he's the only head coach that doesn't call his own plays. <laughs> and it's not even just a matter of, like, some head coaches call their own plays, some don't. Mm -hmm. It is like, the goat of coaches doesn't call his own plays. Right. Yeah, we talked last week about like, hey, Bill Belichick doesn't call him. He does not. Nope. Oh. <laughs> and their offense is great. Even, yeah. Even and their the defense is great. Yeah. Hey, do you think that 
Bill Belichick has a hand in designing those schemes because you know he does. You know he's got at least as big a hand as anybody else. He just doesn't right. call the plays. That would be. I love uh, uh, like post game. Like, oh, Bill, what'd you think of the game? Well, it's important to remember that I'm the head coach and it all goes. Oh yeah. So I just you know, just I need some credit here. Like, what? I'm sorry. Are you having a stroke? Yeah. But, uh, oh gosh. Maybe a. I don't know. Um, it's crazy, but uh, oh, Bebop, what do you think? The what only you- problem with that, our head coach is clueless. He's proven he's clueless. Four years here. All <laughs> right. I, I mean, I couldn't say it better myself. Yeah, looks looks bad. Um, like I said, you know, if we win, if we win another one, and heat cools off, maybe he's learned from his shitty responses maybe he can improve there too mm-hmm. we said hopefully he can hand up the playing calling um but yeah we'll see yeah well um i mean i think we touched on <laughs> how weird that was but uh yeah i mean that was a damn good game it was it was uh you know a little bit close for comfort it would be nice to see the offense hold on the gas a little bit more but um I don't know. The, the box score doesn't do justice, I think, of how much of an ass whooping that was. And yeah, you called before. It's the Lions. They're the slump buster. We're out of the slump now. We're back in at two and two. Um, I feel like we've touched on pretty much everything I wanted to touch on. I will say Cole Komet had a really brutal um, slip on a route where uh, Fields had a great toss to him to throw him open, but then I went back and watched uh, the game this morning, and I noticed he had a bunch of plays where he was – uh, jumping in and chip locking is like a right tackle supplement. So I thought he had a better game than maybe the statue would show. Um, oh, yeah, I agree with that. Sweet. So I don't know. Overall, I mean, it was just exciting to see a Justin Fields like breakout game. Like it was great. He was averaging like your point. I think he was averaging uh, over 12 yards per attempt, which is crazy. Um, as a point of reference, we talked. Uh, was it just two weeks ago about how Andy Dalton was averaging 4.1 air yards per attempt? Like, what? <laughs> and then, uh, yeah, and then Justin Fields is averaging over 12 uh, completed yards per attempt. It, it's it's insane. So, I don't know, man. Uh, yeah. Do you have any? It's a good thing he's our starter if he's healthy. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and we will deal with that. Oh my gosh. I, I'm trying not to just make this all about how mad I am at uh, Nagy. And then every little thing he says pulls me back. And like, no, damn it. Just let yeah. me enjoy this. <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't know. Obiba, what do you think? Or coach, you're really stupid. And you got some stupid offensive coordinators and some stupid quarterback coaches. It's right in front of you, folks. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, I think we're about. At a wrap, Coach Bob, is there anything you want to say about this game? Okay. Got the W. We got, That's what really matters. Yes, we did. All right. Well, uh, Bearweather fans, thank you. Bearweather fans, fans, uh, thank you so much for tuning in. And uh, we will catch you next episode where we have a little This Week in Bears history. And then we'll have an episode at the end of the week previewing the next game against the Raiders, I believe. In the meantime, uh, bear down. Thank you.